Welcome back to the Green Rush Live. On our last half hour of this Friday episode, we are going to talk about something really exciting, and uh, that is insurance now. I know everyone gets excited about insurance, but this is actually pretty cool. PA, Pennsylvania, actually said they're talking about reimbursing people for their medical cannabis, which I think is awesome because we always talk about how cannabis is a medicinal purpose used for medicinal purposes and uh and it costs a lot i mean especially in new jersey where it costs an arm and a leg and i know it, i'll tell you a quick story my mom was actually one of the very first patients in new jersey at the time it was a uh, where cure relief is that's why they became really the first dispensary they bought out a company called compassionate science compassionate care science care and they were the very first little dispensary in new jersey and uh, my mom was one of the first 50 patients she had colon cancer unfortunately passed away but that was back in 2016 i had the uh, caregiver card so i knew the i knew all the walls and everything and i always followed it so i paid attention but um yeah so I know how much back then I had spent just on just getting the licenses back then was crazy. I mean, you know, I had to be fingerprinted for, for the caregiver car. I mean, it was like gun permits are easier to be honest with you, but, um, but yeah, to be reimbursed because I understand like people that have terminal illnesses and they're really using cannabis because my mom would never use cannabis prior to this. And, uh, she told every doctor was the only thing that helped her. And that's what really got me started into the industry, not into it, but got me really making my own extracts and helping people. And then I made the, an oil that kind of helps people stop with seizures. And I've done a bunch of other things. And that's how I really got into it. I'd make her food with butter. I was a chef and I'd see the difference. It was a miracle. I mean, she was in, she had a really bad case. It sucked, but it definitely helped her. And she would have a bag of medicine, literally this big. And, she would walk around and be like, you know what? I'm just going to stop taking this because this stuff's actually the only thing that helps me. I'm just taking all these medicines and you can tell the side effects are just one after another. So I've seen a lot with it. And, uh, but yeah, so it would have been nice to be able to get that medical cost back. Cause I know it cost an arm and a leg back then. And, uh, and I know what it costs for people now, and it definitely helps people. I mean, there's no doubt about it, that it, it helps people going through chemo and other terminal illnesses and just a, a whole lot of things. And um, so, yeah, it would be nice if we could get reimbursed because it's better than anything pharmaceutical that they can give you, to be honest with you. So how do you feel about that, Josh? I think it's great. Um, you know, it's I, I had surgery just over a year ago on my shoulder that I initially screwed up like in high school and like 25 years later, I'm like, Oh, that's, that's what's wrong with it. And so going through that process of doctors are like, you know, th this is where your rotator cuff is screwed up, but your bicep tendon needs to be chopped off and this is normal and that's not. And so I'm like, wait, wait, why is the rotator cuff flare normal? And it's like, no matter what you do throughout your life, you're going to just have a screwed up rotator cuff by the time you're 40. And I was like, Oh, that's, that's great doc. Thanks. But it kind of made me think like we all kind of need grease in the wheels to keep us going. Right. So it was great when I was, you know, not self-employed and I could go to a chiropractor and 18 times a year, and I could go get deep tissue massage 18 times a year and another 18 times for acupuncture. And so now when I want to go, it's like, I got to pay a, 
a massive deductible or something. I don't even know how much it is, 20 to $100 every time I go in. If, if cannabis could be subsidized for me to help grease my wheels and help keep that, you know, um, endocannabinoid system flowing, that would be great because it would probably make me healthier in a lot of other ways that would reduce the expense to these same insurance companies for diabetes, um, obesity, and all these other issues that American foods are, are causing. So depending on the game that they want to play, um, this would seem to make people healthier, but it almost, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not really optimistic in that terms. I think the FDA and everyone else puts stuff out to kill us. Death and taxes is all they care about. Um, but to stay optimistic, I will say that, you know, this is great to allow people to have cannabis to help themselves. And Jesus, man, like with how expensive everything is, like, give us a break already, like pay for my weed already. It would be incredible. And I mean, just like the elderly people, I mean, even if they just did it at a certain age, you feel bad. I mean, I feel bad for the elderly people, especially, you know, they're not working. They're all on fixed incomes just about. And they, and and most of them, it's crazy, but they started just like cutting people, which is a good thing. Don't get me wrong. But a lot of these elderly people were on pharmaceuticals and Oxycontins and painkillers out the wazoo. And then they just started cutting them off. And they're like, here, you can have a medical marijuana card. And they're like, what? <laughs> and they're like, isn't that bad? And they're like, no, then they they actually go through the process, get the card, go to the dispensary, have their first initial appointment, and they explain it. But they don't even tell you anything. They tell you, like, this is a sativa and an indica and a hybrid. And that's basically on your merry way. And then these people get up to the counter. They don't know what they're talking about. They buy something. They got to go home and then try to consume it. <laughs> and it's like what like nobody had a clue what's going on but yet it was fine to just hand them pharmaceutical pills and oxycontins and yeah. knowing that they was killing these people and then now you're going to charge them an arm and a leg to go get cannabis because you cut them off and like these people are literally withdrawing so they're like all right i guess i'm gonna go get weed i mean what else am i gonna do and uh and yeah that was happening all over the state i know that it was crazy that that LNI Labor and Industries um, is is a great example too because this is about work related injuries eligible for reimbursement and instead of penalizing people for using cannabis they're actually incentivizing it and a friend of mine here in Washington we're the same age and he was doing roofing and hurt his back and they put him on all of these pain medicines he's gained I mean he looks like he's gained a hundred pounds uh, and he's not healthy he's not doing well. Um, and, and it's, it's amazing. Like ever since that injury, his life has gone downhill, like really, really bad. He became homeless, all this stuff had to live out of his car. If they would have just allowed him to medicate the way he wanted to without fear of punishment and losing his job by, by popping, you know, um, you know, negative for cannabis or, or positive for cannabis. I mean, um, yeah, all, all that is stupid. So this this Pennsylvania court ruling that cannabis costs can be reimbursed comes with this other caveat that work-related injuries are eligible, which is phenomenal to allow for the court system to side with individuals. Because my sister-in-law works for a company to try to get them back to work, and it is not easy, man. Once people get injured, they don't want to go back to work. I mean, they're just, just they want to live the socialist lifestyle and have people paid out. And if that were feasible great but it's not so maybe the alternative is cannabis 
Yeah, no, I have a very close friend that recently was he's a he's a uh, in the union and he broke his back. He fell off a piece of like scaffolding and there was a pipe actually sticking out of the ground and went right through his back. He's lucky to be alive. And uh they just jerked him around for three months. They wanted him to get a second opinion. They they wanted them to get surgery. And then the day before he was going to schedule it, the insurance company called and said, No, you gotta go get a second appointment uh, opinion. Like get over an hour away. So he goes and does that. And then the surgeon's on vacation. So he has to wait like an extra three months. So now everything's okay. And it's the same situation. Like he can't use cannabis because he's in the union. He'll, he'll fail a drug test. He'll fire him immediately. But yeah, he's getting all these pain pills and he's just, uh, he's just like, oh my goodness. I just saw him the other day. I stopped by to see him. I feel so bad for the guy. I mean, he's such a hard worker. And that's the thing. He's just like, they, like he goes to the doctors and they treat him like he's a criminal and i'm like but he gets it he's like because about eight to nine out of ten people they get hurt and they're just never going back to work it's just a, it becomes a system and he actually wants to go back to work and i'm like you may never really actually work just to get his like hip and his spine fused together or like something major i'm like yeah it's it's pretty bad like i said he's lucky to be even alive but uh but yeah like just something like that so now he's you know, pharmaceutical medicines and he can't use cannabis and it's just a mess. Like I always want to just give him something and help him out. And it's like, he can't take anything. So what if, what if your cannabis wasn't, wasn't good. Um, There was an issue a few years ago when Germany sent back the first shipment of cannabis from Canada because Canada irradiates their food, like whether it's meat, vegetables, it's basically goes through um, a quote unquote microwave of radiation and it kills bacteria. But in Europe, they're like, nah, you could take your radiated can get out of here. We don't do that in Europe. Um, so now I guess Illinois is proposing a bill for um, cannabis radiation labeling so that, you know, let me take a step back and just say some vegans don't know that there's bone marrow blood meal, back guano, all of these issues, you know, not issues, but all of these things that they would normally not consume if they were vegan. They're like, oh, it's just a plant. Yes, but um, so behind the scenes, there are things that are happening like radiated cannabis. So this in Illinois, for example, they're going to amend the Cannabis Regulations and Tax Act requiring that cannabis infused products at least are treated with a, a label that they have radiation. Um that they were remediated with irradiation. So that bill would be really nice. I think you, we all need to know what's not only in our products, but what the hell are they doing with it after the fact? No, I agree a hundred percent because, uh, the ground well cannabis when it grows it just absorbs everything out of the ground so any kind of heavy metals or toxins or anything that's going to be in it so that's for one so then if you're passing it through radiation the second time after you have all these other toxins in it i'm sure that's not mixing too well and then most people consume it by you know lighting it so combustion is probably not the best thing for all like that whole combination so yeah, it would be nice to know exactly what's on the packaging. And that's why the the industry needs to be federally legal because they just need to have not guidelines, but just have a set standard. And just so people just have a clue what's going on. I mean, it's just not fair to just 
like I, like we were talking about the the percentages in THC, they're fixed just because the highest number generally sells the most product. And uh, you know, we had labs literally telling us that they have they have customers trying to pay them more money to to fudge the numbers. So we know it happens. And uh, yeah, it's so how can you trust anything? And then at the same time, it's just it's a competitive industry, and then there's not standards all across the board. And we should know what's in this product because again, it's a medicinal purpose, used for medicinal purposes. And uh, and like I said, a lot of people are <laughs> combusting it to, to use it, which makes it a whole different product. I mean, uh, let's face it: when you take a lighter to something, it's it becomes something different. And, and like you so, said too, the, the uptake, because hemp, especially even more than cannabis, will really kind of take out a lot of the heavy metals and any pollutants in the soil. They use it in Chernobyl and everywhere else. So hemp even especially um, needs to really kind of uh, make sure that what's in that and what's being sold in the flower, like if it's if it's grown for biomass, it definitely shouldn't be sold for, for flour or anything else. But um, they already allow for crop loss insurance on hemp products, which I think is is really interesting. Now that Arkansas growers are suing an insurance after a claim is denied, I guess they wanted crop loss insurance too. Yeah, I guess so. Um, apparently, they uh, had a problem with the uh, the chillers weren't set properly, and it was a third party that did it. So I guess their their claim got denied, and now they're going after the insurance company. And they figured they have a claim somewhere because it wasn't their lie. It wasn't on their uh, their end. They didn't make the mistake, so they want to be able to point the finger and go after somebody. And now everybody wants to go. No, we don't want to take responsibility, but they want somebody to take responsibility. Bro, and, I got to uh, tell you a story about um, uh, State Farm. I'm driving 70 miles an hour northbound on I-5, and I got State Farm for insurance, and the wheel falls off my car. Well, first off, I see a wheel fly by me, and I'm like, whoa, whose wheel is that? And then I look in my rear view, and the whole I-5 freeway is – like they are, they're way behind me, like 30, 40 yards and then I'm like, oh, shit, that's my wheel. And then I start fishtailing. And then I ended up like getting over to the side and then and then hit the side of the, the guardrail, whatever. The insurance company came at me and they're like, bro, we're not covering that. That's your fault that your wheel fell off. I'm like, really? Did I come out and pull that wheel off? How was that my fault? These insurance companies. I had to sue Expedia. You're welcome, HempFest, because HempFest uh, got screwed over by Expedia. And I won because I got an Airbnb and the fires happened in Eastern Washington. And I was like, I can't go there. The freeway shut down. The whole place is on fire. And they're like, yeah, but you knew that could have happened when you got the insurance. I'm like, that's why people get insurance. <laughs> yeah, that's what insurance is I for, I sent them right? to small claims court and I won. So take that. But I wow. hate insurance companies with the passion. I know it's a necessary evil. But if you can get crop loss insurance and it's legit, great. Um, I just think that. You know, this $300,000 claim uh, for, you know, in, in Arkansas for that chiller is going to be interesting with case law down the road and how this kind of evolves when there is legal um, insurance. It'll just be more of a, a headache and you'll have to deal with somebody like Norm Ives, who's a professional cannabis insurance guy, because you don't want to deal with some schmuck out there. Yeah, no, if they uh, definitely win this case, you know, there's going to be a lot more 
a lot more lawsuits flying around because uh, they're just going to take the playbook and run with it, which is generally what happens. There's a ton, man. There's a IIPR, you know them, they're publicly traded um, company and they do a lot of lease backs. So a lot of these companies, since money can't be lent by banks, they um, will go to a company uh, like IIPR and, and give a loan. So they'll buy a place and then immediately go and get a loan from IIPR uh, so they can continue to operate. And yet we're seeing already some of these lawsuits kind of coming out. You can't file bankruptcy yet. That'll be kind of a normalized situation when we do see those BKs in the U.S. We're already seeing bankruptcies in, in um, Canada. Canada, yeah. But at least with um, some of these lawsuits, it's quote unquote normalizing the industry as, as we see accountability, people kind of pushing back. And you've got some investors that totally got screwed in the very beginning with these new IPOs coming out and just having to write off billions. Like, I'm not going to name names, man, but there's a couple companies out there that had to write billions of dollars in investment, malinvestment. And so, yeah, you got the second lawsuit filed against Cannabis Real Estate Investment Trust called Innovative Properties because shareholders are accusing them of misleading investors about due diligence on some um, California-based companies. So, I mean, due diligence is number one, but I've seen it over and over in this industry. It's just not really a thing people do. Um, and then when things go wrong, and I've been saying it for years on my podcast on The Talking Hedge, that lawsuits are going to be the new green rush. Yeah, they're going to be the big money maker, and they're going to put companies way out because uh, there's going to be lawsuits no matter what. And once one attorney finds that loophole, you know they're all coming out of the woodwork every which way, and they're all going after everybody. So yeah. it's a yeah, that's why this this case is kind of interesting because it's going to open the floodgates if it if it goes through. And here's uh, my positive spin though, and maybe we can uh, end a little bit early on this, which is that. As we see these lawsuits progress, you're going to see the medmens of the world coming to an end, the cure leaves realizing they can't compete. But as I've mentioned on the show before, the, the path that they've already laid is going to allow for these mom and pops to ride on the coattails and rise from the ashes as new the new wave comes through. We've mentioned in the last segment that we need to get connoisseurs, growers, people that know what they're doing. Uh, to come out of the woodwork. And I think the infrastructure is built on, on the back of malinvestment. Uh, and so maybe with that, we can do this co-op model or farmer's market model or some model that works. Uh, and, and in the end, I think that it's a positive, but we got to go through these hard times in order to get there. Um, all of these, this normalization and everything and seeing this, this crap that nobody wants from MSOs is going to provide the these these underground growers to kind of have an opportunity to come out and um, provide us with something that people actually want. So it's going to come with some patience, whatever, but I do think that there's optimism as that phoenix rises from the ashes eventually. Man, you needed the big money MSOs to kind of pave the way anyway, because it took a lot of money to break through lobbyists, this, that, and everything else. So, I mean, they they, they absolutely needed to be in place. But uh, I, like I said earlier, I think they just scaled out too big too fast and didn't realize the logistics of the industry and, and really the 
you know, the laws and everything, the regulations that were going to hold them back. It wasn't really well thought out business wise. It was just like, well, how fast can we grow and how big, who can be the biggest is going to win. And it's not always that way. Mm -hmm. And uh, unfortunately, I think people, companies are going to find out and there's always ups and downs. I mean, the whole economy is about to hit a, a rut. So, I mean, of course, the cannabis industry is going to get smoked because it's one of them industries that's, you know, it doesn't have real regulations and real banking and this and that like we talk about. So, but as you said, there's going to be plenty of opportunity because the dust will settle and something, everybody will rise. So that will be the time I think that you see incredible products being coming out, I think, is the that next wave. I agree 100%. So as we see this consolidation, cannabis in general will probably be recession proof, although people are going to shift to like bottom shelf, not top shelf. Um, so just like any other sin stock or, or whatever else, gambling, alcohol, tobacco, cannabis during times of, of economic trials will become even more popular as people try to just smoke their way into happiness. But it doesn't mean that those cannabis companies that are publicly traded are going to be immune to the absolute collapse of of any equity company bank of america in 2008 became a 99 cent company from like 30 or 50 dollars or whatever it was nobody is going to be immune to um you know if deutsche bank that has trillions of dollars in derivatives collapses nobody's going to be immune to that but we can all smoke and uh and, and party when the connoisseurs come out of the ashes eventually that's that, that's the it uh, the end story for me is that we will get finally that connoisseur cannabis quality that we've all been like craving but it's not going to be for another couple of years when it's ubiquitous when it's like everywhere instead of just this this trash this tourist weed that we see at all of the stores yeah, that's a good way to put it as tourist weed. I mean, it really is. And uh, it used to be amazing to go out west to Colorado and dispensary hop. And anyway, I, I say the last few times I've gone, I haven't been impressed with much out there. And, uh, and yeah, you're in Seattle, I'm in New Jersey, and it's everywhere in between. So it's just, it's the whole industry all the way across the board. It is. It's just, you know, it's consolidating and then it'll blow up again. It's just the way the markets work. Everything revolves that way. And that's economics at its finest. And we're about to watch it happen. And it's a new industry, but there will be plenty of opportunity to get in and make a fortune. So just yeah. learn from others' mistakes. That's how you do it. You learn from what mistakes others made and you avoid that mistakes at all costs because they will happen again if you let yourself re if you try to run a business the same way and uh so yeah that's do you guys that's see uh, do you have a lot of drive-throughs for uh coffee shops like home of starbucks here we have a ton of mom and pop like drive-throughs like the little shack is just big enough for one barista or whatever do you guys have those no nah, ours is more or less a dunkin donuts and okay. uh or a starbucks but uh there's a couple like little ones but they're not on every corner they would probably oh, do oh. much better but the whole they're, West they're, Coast has these, and I, I think the evolution of the Dunkin' Donuts, the Starbucks, you know, I try to use that analogy of like the mom and pop baristas. You have this teeny little stand. You'll have your local place that I mentioned that people want to go to and, and get their local cannabis from a local grower like people go for uh, their brewers. So I, I just think it's going to evolve in a better, um, a better industry or create a real industry than whatever it is that we call this now. I'm, I'm not a fan of what we're 
living through right now. And I'm eager to see the next evolution, which unfortunately requires a horror story before <laughs> that love story can, uh, can rise. Yeah, this is like that stepping stone before it can really uh, take off to the next level. And it just happens to be one of them times where everything's just kind of pulling back. So, mm -hmm. of course, this is going to pull back really good, but it's going to, like we say, it's going to be, we're still going to be here in a few years when everything starts taking off again. So it's going to be good. And, but it's uh, the whole thing it, with insurance. Like we like insurance, but we hate insurance. You know what I'm saying? It's like the necessary evil of it is kind of the analogy in a nutshell where it's normalizing it, it it's terrible to have to deal with but at the same time who doesn't like discounted cannabis or government subsidized weed I, i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say no to that that'd be pretty fun if they would uh pay for it but i won't expect anything i won't i won't look for it and uh if it happens i'll be really really excited yeah all right. Well, it is uh, about six o'clock Eastern, which means we're wrapping this up. So until the next time, we are here every Friday, four to six live for the Green Rush Cannabis Business Podcast. So make sure to hit us up next week uh, or anytime. Visit our YouTube, social media. We're 24-7 online, ProCannabisMedia.com. Hit us up. But for Doug Miller and myself, Josh Kincaid, I think we're out of here. Dan, our invisible elf, says goodbye. Have a great weekend. And until um, the next week, see you guys. With that, we're going to roll this one up. I'm Josh Kincaid. This is The Talking Hedge. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, or don't, and I'm out. Don't forget to smash that like button on your way out and check out these other videos that we've got. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey there, my name is Leah Babrudi, and I'm the founder and host of Canachicks Podcast, where I discuss cannabis, psychedelics, and other natural medicines. I not only interview people who use them as treatment for different conditions, but also the entrepreneurs who share their knowledge on how they built their businesses. If this sounds interesting to you, give my show a listen. I'm sure you'll learn something that'll surprise you.